0: Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. So, if you've been with us, somebody just shout me down where we've been. We've, we spoke about Mary Magdalene. We had a week where we spoke about this man named Joseph of Arimathea. We spoke about Thomas. And last week, there's just so much about this guy that we have to talk about. We're going to take two weeks, and this is week number two. We're going to talk about Peter, right? And so, last week, we, we, we left off, and we, we told the story about Peter. And what's interesting about this story is... In this issue of forgiveness, Jesus sets a model for us that is so amazing and so difficult at the same time because he initiates the conversation with the person who had wronged him. He initiates the forgiveness with Peter. Someone say, oh my goodness, that's amazing, right? So Peter, as we get into this, remember when we left off, he has totally blown it. Peter denied Christ at the fireside. How many times? Turn to someone and let them know. Three times, not once, not twice, three times Peter denied that he knew that guy. Much like Thomas, Peter is in a, a state of total shambles, total disarray because he has messed up and he has messed up big time. We saw this in Luke. Would you open your Bible, Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22. And if you have a smartphone, would you turn on your Bible to Luke 22? And if you have the, uh, the real thing, turn, open it up. We're going to start in verse 59 and we're going to see this is just kind of a reminder of where Peter went sideways, where things went wrong for this disciple. Verse 59 of chapter 22 of the book of Luke, about an hour later someone else insisted this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too, verse 60, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, look at this in the Word of God. The Lord, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, it says, weeping bitterly. Right? He 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 left he leaves in a haze. He is distraught at this moment because he knows. Those words that Jesus spoke over him, not days ago, not weeks ago, not months ago, or years ago, just hours prior, right? Jesus warned him, he couldn't hold it together for like less than 24 hours. He said, Before the sun comes up tomorrow, meaning like just in a short amount of time, you're going to totally mess up. And we remember Peter's response, he's like, No, 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 Lord, I'm your guy. I got your back, I'm your man, I'll go to jail with you. Jesus, I will even what? I'll die with you. <laughs> not right now, actually, is what he should have said, right? Not, not, not right now, because we know about Peter and his life, eventually he will die with Jesus, die for Jesus. The book of John says that when he's older, someone people will take him to a place he will not want to go, right, and he's going to be crucified. But in this moment, when the pressure was on, when the time came for Peter's to step up to the plate, the pressure was just too much. In John chapter 21, if you have your Bible, did anybody get a chance to kinda do a little bit of devotion this week through John chapter 21? We kind of threw that out there, a little bit of study time in John 21, and I don't know if it's necessarily Peter going back to his day job, we know they needed to eat, and the Bible says that Peter is going to go fishing, right? I don't know if, it's, if he's going back full-time, right? But maybe because he knew he had failed Jesus, I think there's a sense that maybe, maybe Peter thought Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with him. How many of us have ever let someone down? How many of us have had ever someone let us down? And so often when that happens, what is our response I will honestly say my response more often is not like the response we're going to see from Jesus today, where Jesus goes to Peter, and we're going to see him step out and bring him back. What stands out to me is this Jesus that we worship, not only does he seek out Peter, he he cooks him a meal. He, 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 he's let him down and he cooks him breakfast. How many of us love breakfast? I love breakfast a little too much. Love me some breakfast. Some biscuits and gravy, some bacon, some jams. Anybody love some jam jams? Right, come on now. Who's hungry? We have Kona ice outside after church, but that doesn't quite count as food, right? The kids will love it, but I don't know about that, right? It's all good. Jesus shows up to the man who let him down. He finds him, and he cooks him breakfast. He cooks him breakfast. Let's read about this encounter where Jesus prepares fresh fish. And my favorite thing in the whole world, fresh bread. All right? Are you ready for it? John 21, let's look at verse 9. John 21, are you there? You got it in Scripture? I know we have it in our app as well, so get your notes ready. Get your thumbs fired up. Let's read this starting in verse one. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples behind the Sea of Galilee, beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. We have Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. I love, I love, like, how would you like to just be the two other disciples? Right? Couldn't you just name, like John, like the disciple who Jesus loved, couldn't just name drop you one time? You just had to like, hey, the two other ones. Yeah, they, I mean, they were there. I'm just, right? It's kind of funny to me, like reading the Gospel of John and just kind of how he, he tends to always call out Peter too. I love it. He always kind of pulls these little details about Peter. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. And maybe he's not going back to this full time, but he's going back to something that's comfortable. Have any of us ever done that, right, when this is kind of, I think, a place that we all get to in our faith and our relationship with Jesus, where at some point we have made a decision to go back to what is comfortable. Sometimes getting uncomfortable for the Lord just gets exhausting. Dealing with people, dealing with pressure, whatever it is, right? And I think this is the crux of where many Christians are at today in our country and around the world where we just enjoy, we just, it's, it's like we've gotten comfortable. We've gotten comfortable whether it's online or not at all or whatever it is. We were at a men's conference this weekend and one of the preachers threw out a statistic that was shocking to me. He said from the year 2000, which is when I graduated high school, crazy right from the year 2000 to the year 2020 in america 40 million christians have left their faith 40 million and he said most of them have become agnostic or atheists 40 million people in our country have renounced christianity from 2000 to 2020, and I think this is somewhat of an emotion that we feel today, this feeling like, you know what, I cannot do this Jesus thing anymore. Or, you know what, I like things being about me, right? Uh, It's like that old Toby Keith song, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about my, right? I like myself more than I like giving, or more than I like serving, whatever it is. There's this this issue in the church today that, you know what, it's like, I don't know if I feel like loving this God anymore, doing this God thing anymore, or I can't serve anymore because, right, uh, maybe maybe even some of us are in this position where maybe religion, maybe going through the motions of church, maybe going through the routine of church, right, maybe you feel like it's just gotten old, right, it's just gotten mundane and it's the same thing over and over again like a groundhog day or maybe you feel like peter a little bit peter's a special case where it's like maybe you feel like you know what i have fallen too far i am too broken i'm too messed up like that corner on centennial i spoke about last week it's across from a new chick-fil-a there's this car dealership that had new piles of dirt there this week Just rubble and debris and there's just stuff all over and you can't believe that it would ever be anything useful again. That's how bad this location looks, right? Maybe you feel like Peter where you're just like, you know what, I failed Jesus at the most important moment. I failed him when I should have stepped up. That pressure got to me. Number one, would you write this down this morning as we just jump into the word? Many Christians today just want to go fishing. I kind of thought about this with Peter. Many of us today, we just if we're honest, we just want to go fishing. We want to go back to what was comfortable or maybe even we've just decided to go back to our old ways, our old addictions, our old habits, our old way of thinking because our mind, we're, we're not being renewed daily by his word, right? We're not being transformed like we once were or maybe this religious activity has got you tired out. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Let's read this scripture together. Paul says this about religion, about the law, about just doing things with a heart that's not about God, right? He says, for if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ, you have fallen away from God's grace, You know, you might be here like, I've grown up in church, right, and so I see a lot of things that we do, and and always a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of religious activity that goes on, and there's nothing wrong with religious activity, but there is something wrong when that activity isn't connected to the heart of Christ, when you're missing the heart of why we are doing something or why we are serving, right? Religious activity is anything you do for God that does not stem from a heart connected to God. Do we catch that? Maybe you're here and you're just tired of religious activity because your heart isn't connected to God like it once was. It's like, has arriving at church become a chore? Has serving become a chore? Has, Has just loving people become a chore? Has practicing, right, the very thing we should practice in church, I happen to think is like the fruit of the Spirit, right? Practicing love and joy. And where else is a better place to practice patience except for a place where hundreds of different people come together, right? How many of you know in church we got to practice patience? And sometimes other people take more patience than they ought to take, right? Kindness, gentleness, self-control, the list goes on and on. And sometimes doing these things, it's like this activity that just wears us out if we have a heart that is not connected to the goodness of our God, right? It just becomes a duty, it just becomes something that we just do because we think we we just have service that's it's not based on love but it's service that's it's like i'm just obligated many christians i think we just get it's just i just want to go fishing and just i'm just good too often we seek to be defined or valued based on what we do, how much money we make, what we earn, where we serve. What my, I mean, it's, it's often too, even with youth or adults, it's like, it's like serving it only can take place from the microphone, right? It's like this mentality of importance or ranking levels of importance, right? Serving, it, 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 and it's so not the case Paul would say this, to not be defined at what you do or what microphone you have, but be defined by whose you are. Be defined by knowing Jesus. Be defined by knowing a Savior. Let's get back into this, this story. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And a lot of us here maybe today are like, I feel like Peter. I just want to go back to what I used to do. I just want to go back. I just want to go back. So here the other disciples said, hey, Peter, wait up. We're going to come too. In verse 3, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. How many of you know this is interesting, right? They, they go fishing with their nets, and it says they caught nothing. Verse 4, at dawn, so it's sunrise, the sun is coming up. Think of yourself, like has anybody here been to like Laguna Beach or Newport Beach in California where that, that ocean haze comes up in the morning, right? A little foggy, refreshing, something new, that, that smell in the morning, right? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out fellows. Some translations say, friends, have you caught any fish? I don't know about you. I would have given the most snarky no ever. (laughs) Somebody standing on the shore. Hey, did you catch anything? Dude, we've been working all night. Would you mind your biz, right? Like, (laughs) what are you, what are you, (laughs) right? They've caught nothing. Hard work, nothing to show for it. Verse six then he said and this is a little deja vu begins to probably take place in the hearts and the minds of the disciples because they remember something like this happening in luke chapter 5 jesus said throw your net on the right side of the boat and then you'll get some so they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it then the disciple jesus loved said to peter it's the lord He said to Peter, it's him. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. There are some things about Peter that just never change, aren't there? (laughs) The disciple, and I love that there's something about John that doesn't seem to change in his writings. John's like, I figured it out. I had to tell Peter who it was. Right? I figured it out. And once I told Peter who it was, what did Peter do? Peter did what Peter does. He jumped off the boat. That's my boy Peter, right? It's interesting, this dynamic. He headed to shore. Peter jumps in, cannonball away. There goes Peter. He just plunges in. And I can't help but think about Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It's amazing. It's this situation. Jesus teaches and he finishes up and he asks Peter, while he's working in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, he says, Peter, did you catch anything? And in Luke chapter 5, Peter says, we fished all night. I'm sure, like, why don't you stick to the preaching, I'll do the fishing, right? This is how they meet, right? Why don't you, we're professional fishermen, teacher, you stick to the rabbi stuff, Jesus, and we'll keep fishing. Don't tell me how to do my job, know your role, Jesus, right? Right? Stick to that. I think this is another thing that sometimes as Christians, we just want to go fishing. And number two, sometimes even Christians, we live as if Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Our actions. Sometimes we live and we act as if Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. As if Jesus doesn't actually know what is best for us, right? We see this from Peter from time to time. There's this like pride that swells up in this guy, right? Jesus, that's not going to happen. Jesus, you can't. That can't be what's going to happen. Jesus, no way. Jesus, you're wrong. And We see it in Peter. He tells Jesus he's wrong. Jesus, everybody else might leave you. The other 11 might take off, but I'm your guy. Jesus, you're wrong. I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. It's like Peter can't help himself, sometimes he, he, he displays with his actions this, this attitude like Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Jesus, don't you tell me how to fish? Jesus, don't you tell me how to live? Jesus, don't you tell me how to serve? Jesus, don't you tell me how to wash feet? Right, Jesus, don't you tell me how to give? Jesus, don't you tell me how to love? Whatever it is, like we, kinda, we have this, this mentality like, Jesus, I know a little bit more than you, right? And then in Luke chapter 5, look at verse 8 and 9 in Luke 5, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and this was years before. He said, oh Lord, please leave me. His response, he says, I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the large number of fish that they caught. He was humbled before Jesus in that moment. He was shocked, and he says, I'm a sinful man. I'm sinful because I didn't believe you so let's jump back into john 21 our core text today john 21 verse 8 it says the others stayed with the boats and pulled the loaded net to shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore i love that as well the others the other disciples they don't even get their name dropped but dropped but they get to carry the fish right peter takes off swims to shore he gets to be the star that we still talk about right but the other guys are back there Verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. The Bible says this, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. I find this interesting. The boat hadn't even come in with the fish yet, and yet Jesus is there cooking up the fish. It's already ready to go. We don't need, right? It's, it's, I, I love that, right? It's already ready to go. And now remember from last week, we kind of spent some time on this, and I don't want to dwell on it too much today, but remember the words, the imagery, the smells, the senses that Jesus was using when he restored Peter, right? He uses this term, right? And John writes, he uses this word, by the charcoal fire, Jesus was cooking breakfast around it. And remember, it's only used two times in the Gospel of John, right? Why didn't he just say fire, right? Right? I think he wants to let us know how important this moment is going to be for the disciple named Peter. How life-changing this is going to be. How important his restoration process is. This term charcoal fire, it's only used twice. It's right here in John 21. And if you flip back a couple pages, the Bible says Peter, when he denied Christ, he was warming himself by The charcoal fire. Do we see that, church? So at nighttime, at his worst moment, the Bible says Peter denied Christ. The book of Matthew, and I believe it's the book of Mark, they, they say that Peter started cursing at them. He started saying, I don't blankety blank know the guy, right? He started sinning right there. Not only was he lying, he started cursing to emphasize his point. He had all that failure take place by the charcoal fire at night, but when the sun came up, and in this moment at dawn, Jesus has the charcoal fire prepared, and he is going to be restored at the charcoal fire. Verse 10, bring some fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, and he dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish I hope they went and sell those, they probably funded their first mission trip with those fish after that, right? I don't know, they went and sold them later, right? There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now come have some breakfast. How many of you know good conversations take place around breakfast, right? Come have some coffee, come have some fresh bread. Jesus said, None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So over the charcoal fire, Jesus is getting ready. Get this, get this, get this. This is so cool to me. It's almost as if Jesus is getting ready to reenact Peter's mess-ups. He's getting ready to replay and reenact Peter's complete mess failure at the fire that night he's going to address it and he's going to bring about some change number three would you write this down don't remember your failure to stay unchanged but remember your failure to make an adjustment don't remember failure to stay the same remember your failure so you can change right Remember, right, Jesus said this last week, we we, we read this scripture, what Jesus said to Peter, Peter, when you turn back to me, knowing that Peter was going to turn away from him. What was his instructions to Peter said? When you screw up, when you mess up, but when you come back, here's what I got for you to do. And he said this to Peter, strengthen who? He said, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your, your, your core group. Strengthen the disciples that are here. When you turn back, verse 15. Here we go, it's gonna get personal now. Jesus is gonna take Peter to the couch and they're gonna have a discussion. (laughs) How many of you know restoration is sometimes awkward and difficult and it feels strange, right? After breakfast, time to eat is over, now it's time to talk. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these, right? Maybe he was talking about his career. Maybe he was talking about the disciples, right? But he says, Simon, Peter, son of, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Remember the last time they spoke. Uh, Jesus came back in the upper room, but there's no indication that Jesus and Peter had a one-on-one, right? If you flip back in the last chapter, we know like Thomas wasn't there. Jesus appeared before the disciples, but there was no, it doesn't seem like they were able to talk things out. I was talking with my dad about that this morning. I said like, why didn't they just talk then? I don't know, maybe Peter was like, shamed, like hiding in the corner, right? I don't know what it was, right? Why didn't they talk earlier? But here we go, they have this moment to talk about it. The last time we, we know that they, they exchanged words, Peter, we could say, was a little bit prideful, a little bit braggadocious. He, he promised a little bit more than he was able to deliver. We say he was braggadocious, he was like, Jesus, all these chumps are gonna leave you but not me because I'm holier than them. I'm more loyal than them. I'm more faithful than them. I'm not as sinful as them, and you know what? Sometimes in our faith, don't we do the very same thing? We like tend to compare sins, right? One of the preachers this weekend at the men's conference, said, he said, a small stone sinks just as far and just as fast as a massive stone, if you throw it into a lake, right? We tend to think about sin and we're like, oh, the big ones. The glamour ones, right? Jesus says, Simon. Would you underline this? Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And what I find interesting here is that in Matthew chapter 16, we remember what Jesus spoke over Peter, right? Matthew chapter 16, 18, he says, now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it, right? I think Jesus is pointing out, he, he doesn't call him Peter. He changed his name again. He says Simon. It's like Jesus is pointing out, he's like, Peter, I spoke life into you. Peter, I spoke victory into you. I spoke power into you. I spoke leadership into you. I spoke encouragement into you, and you have gone backwards, Because now you're a Simon again. And you know what Simon means? Simon means little pebble. Simon means pebble, right? It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you've regressed in your faith. And some of us can relate to this where it's like we remember a season where we're we're doing things and we're enjoying the presence of God and then we just somehow done, we just regress. And Jesus says this, he's like, you're a Simon right now. You have not been acting like the rock on which I will build my church. You have not been living up to your new name's sake. Peter meaning stone, Simon means pebble, and Jesus, he says, Peter, I took you from a pebble to a stone, but this denial behavior, you denied me three times, now you've gone into hiding, right? This behavior you've put on display, you are back in your Simon mode. You are back in your old mode of doing things, right? You're a Simon right now. And I can't help but think it, sometimes even in church, there are, we can each probably relate to a time in our life where we are in a Simon mode in our relationship with Christ. We're just, you know what I mean? We're, we're kind of in this Simon mentality. We love G- Jesus when it suits us, right? But our love, our faith, our fruit of the Spirit, it's not on display. It's like, Simon, you have regressed. You're going backwards, Let's get back into the word. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. You know I love you. And let's look at what Jesus says. He says, you know I love you. Now go work in the nursery. <laughs> I'm teasing. Right? He says, feed my lambs, baby lambs. You don't even get to the sheep. You don't even get to handle sheep, Peter. You get the babies, right? interesting he says feed my lambs Jesus told him and and verse 15 would you underline the word love because Peter and Jesus both use the same word or at least it would appear that way to us because I hear the word love and I have three daughters that I love on like Valentine's Day they love drawing I mean all year long these little girls love drawing hearts Right? It's just like a girl. They love unicorns and hearts and princesses and things like that. So when we hear the word love, we generally think of one thing. In the Greek, love meant multiple things. Right? There was, I believe, I believe it was six or seven different meanings of the word love in the, original, in the Greek language which they are using here. It says, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus used the word love, but the meaning behind it actually is this: the root of the, the word. It's, you've probably heard this if you've been in church, right? It's the ultimate showing of love to lay down your life for someone, sacrificial love, unconditional love. It's called agape love. So Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? He says, do you agape me? Do you agape love me? Do you sacrificially love me? Will you lay down your life for me? Unconditional love. And here is what Peter says, because Jesus asks for the highest form of love possible. I want agape love. Peter, do you love me? And here we go. Peter says, you know that I love you. But the love that Peter uses is a different love than the love Jesus uses, it's in the Greek. It's called phileo, right? We think of Philadelphia, brotherly love. Peter says, "What'd you just say? Do I unconditionally love you? Will I lay down my life for you?" I think Pete. There's probably a part of Peter that's like, "I'm not falling for that again. I ain't going there." Pete, Jesus, I love you like a friend. Jesus, I love you like a brother. He says, I phileo love you, brotherly love. Peter's like, I'm not getting embarrassed again over this situation. I'm not walking into that trap again. I was just embarrassed in front of strangers. I was embarrassed by the charcoal fire. I was embarrassed in front of the disciples because I, I said I would lay down my life for you, and I didn't. I said I would sacrifice for myself for you, and I didn't right? It's almost like this response. Peter finally gets to a place where God can use him, and you know why he can use him? Because he's not bragging anymore. He gives a response that's a little bit more realistic. He says, you know, he gives a response. I would say, it's a little more humble. God can always work with humility. He can always work with humble people, right? He gives a response that says, I'm not going to act so super spiritual anymore. I'm not going to act like I got all my stuff together. Or nothing's bad, right? Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And he says, you know I phileo love you again. Brotherly love. I'm sticking to that. I'm not going up to that. I'm not graduating to this agape stuff. And here we go. It's almost like Peter was just honest, so now it's not the lambs anymore. He says this. Look at this. He says, then take care of my what? Turn to someone and say it. Sheep. It's almost like he he gets promoted but just being honest Jesus says do you agape me and Peter says no nope, my brotherly love you I love you like a friend right Peter had previously claimed that his love was better than everyone else's that his performance was better than anyone else's right and I think as Christians we just do that we, we like man I I'm just we compare ourselves to people right I just, I'm doing better than that guy, I'm doing better than that gal, I'm doing better than that kid or whoever, right? And it's like, no, 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 the standard, what is the standard by which we are to measure ourselves, right? The standard by which we are compared to a holy God is a holy God. Think of that for a minute. The standard by which we are compared to a holy God is only and will ever be a holy God. There's no other standard to compare ourselves to, In other words, Peter, since you aren't thinking so highly of yourself, now we can do something. Peter, now, since you don't think you're the man, now we can get to business. Verse 17. He don't let him off the hook easy, does he? A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is getting awfully repetitious, isn't it, church? Right? The third time, but here we go, the third time Jesus does what he always does. There is no way to get access to a holy God. There is no way. The only way we can get that access, it's because the holy God came to us. Jesus brings himself now down. Get this, get this, get this. Jesus says, do you love me? But he doesn't say, do you agape love me? He says, Peter, do you phileo love me the third time? He changes it up. He brings himself down to our level. He brings the standard down to Peter's level, right? He comes down and meets Peter right where he is at. The third time, Simon, son of John, do you, Phileo, love me? And Peter was hurt. Let's read this together, that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know that I brotherly love you. I think it's so interesting and so cool. How many times... When Peter was warming himself that night, when his friend had been taken, when his friend had been put on trial, when his friend had been beaten and spat upon, Peter was there by the comfy, cozy charcoal fire. How many times did he deny Jesus? How many times, church, right? Three. I think it's so cool and so interesting. That night by the charcoal fire, Peter denied him three times, and yet in the morning, how many times is he affirm Jesus by the charcoal fire. Three times, right? And Jesus made it so easy. He teed it up for him. He comes down to Peter's level. He goes and seeks him out. He walks on the beach and finds him. Jesus made it so easy, and when Peter displayed a heart that is humble, Jesus meets him at this low moment, and then he elevates him to where he wants him to be, right? It's not too late for God to meet you where you're at, even amidst the rubble of a situation that looks like a disaster, and God, it's not too late for him to take you where he wants you to be. Let's read this last scripture today. Let's read it one more time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And here's what we are to do. 2,000 years later, Jesus said, you love me? Really? You really do? I'm going ask you this three times. Are you sure? Because if you love me, it will be evident. If you love me, people will notice. If you will love me, it will take sacrifice. If you love me, it will take money. If you love me, it will take away your time. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. If you love me, you will feed, you will look for, you will care for the least of these, right? And he initiated and he reinstated Peter because Peter's past failure didn't have to, wasn't going to dictate his future. He denied Christ by the fireside and Christ restored him by the fireside, right? It's almost like the sun went down and Peter messed up and the sun came up and Peter's back in. He's reinitiated. He is installed, right? And we love Paul. Paul was the greatest missionary in the world. Right? John, we know, we know, we know Jesus loved John. John writes about it all the time, right? Right? We know that in Scripture. We have these heroes of the faith, but we can't let Peter, you can't we can't miss Peter. Because the rock on which the early church was built, he was there carrying. What was he doing? I think this is what Peter just probably did over and over with the early church feed my sheep, feed my sheep, care for my people. And even though we all have times, how many of us have had times where it's like we're just going backwards in our faith, we've just regressed, like Peter. Jesus is still, he is just walking on that beach ready to cook that bread. He's ready to cook that breakfast. He's ready to have that conversation. He's ready to deal with it, and when we deal with it, what's so cool is we get to then walk away completely new, completely changed, completely clean, only when we agree with God, about his truth amen when we meet with Jesus Jesus simply wants us to meet him at that that point of honesty that point of humility that point of confession and when we do that we say you know yes I've fallen short yes I failed right yes I don't love you as much as I say I do yes I I mean it's easy it's like come to it's yes I sing about you much better than the way I actually live for you And only in that moment, right, when we stop pretending, when we get humble, Jesus says, all right, now I'm going to meet you right there, and I'm going to have that breakfast, and that fish, and that conversation, and that restoration, and you're going to just walk in that calling that I have for you. Somebody say amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we just come to you, Heavenly Father. We ask God for just you to continue to speak and move in our lives. God, help us to God, help us to put our past away. Help us to put our fishing poles away and help us to go care for sheep. God, help us to care for the least of these. Help us to open our eyes and look for where we can feed your sheep, that we can care for people. Give us hearts that, that seek out others. God, give us hearts that just break for things that break your heart. Give us the encouragement. God, we see so many things that, that are wrong at this moment in history, but God, we have a message to declare, and it's not necessarily a message that can be fixed in politics. It's not a message that can be fixed with uh, 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 earthly solutions, but God, it's the message we have is a heart solution. God, we can turn our hearts, we can turn people's hearts to you, we can direct them to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords this Easter, the one who laid down his life for the guilty, the one who covered us, because our future doesn't have to be determined by failure. Thank you so much for Peter, for Thomas, for Mary Magdalene, for Joseph of Arimathea, these people who've taught us to be bold and give us fresh faith. If you're here this morning, I just want to ask you, where are you at with Jesus? Maybe you need some restoration. Maybe you need to meet with him on the beach. Maybe you need to say, you know you know what? I have done regressed in my faith, but it's time for me to to, to get restored. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. I just want to say, you know what? If you have not met with Jesus, if you aren't sure if you believe in Jesus, if you aren't sure that you've accepted Jesus, I want to give you a moment to humble yourself and just simply acknowledge him. One of the ways we acknowledge him, people, we we love the word repentance, but really it's just saying, God, I agree with you. I agree that I've fallen short and I need a new direction. If you want to acknowledge Jesus in this house or if you want to acknowledge that you have fallen away from him, would you just lift your hand? One, two, and three. Go ahead and lift them up in this house. I see you over there. I see you over there. Any more over here? Let's just have a word of prayer this, this moment. God, we come to you today. God, we acknowledge God, that we have a a pride problem. God, I have a sin problem, and God, I just wanna God, I want to change. God, I want to repent. I want to agree with you when you say you are the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through your Son, and that Son is Jesus. That Son went to the cross. God, you died for my sin that I might have a relationship with a perfect God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you didn't stay on the cross, but that you rose again, that you are not dead, but you are alive, and you are living in us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Can someone say amen? Can we applaud the King of Kings and praise him in this house today? Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.